research at the AABMC, and I am delighted to join our guest, Dr. Jenna Hilton um, from Zoetis tonight. Uh, Dr. Hilton is a companion animal veterinarian who has been with Zoetis, formerly Pfizer Animal Health, for 12 and a half years. She graduated from Tuskegee University School of Veterinary Medicine, and after graduation, she completed a one-year rotating small animal internship at the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. Uh, prior to Zoetis, Dr. Hilton practiced at a small animal hospital in southern New Jersey for six years and was a relief veterinarian for three years practicing at various clinics throughout southern Jersey. She is one of 10 small animal veterinarians in veterinary medical information and product support um, at Zoetis, where she provides technical support for over 100 small animal products and is responsible for post-approval adverse event reporting to ensure the safety of drugs and vaccines. Her interests are in internal medicine, especially infectious diseases. She's currently enrolled in Temple School of Pharmacy in pursuit of a master's degree in regulatory affairs and quality assurance. And in her spare time, if she has any, <laughs> she is um, she loves to travel, domestic and international, and she participates in um, adventurous activities such as zip lining. Uh, hiking, rock climbing, and water repelling. Um, so we'll have to talk about those fun activities um, <laughs> later on. So, Dr. Hilton, welcome. Hi, thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for that introduction. Sure. Great, thank you. Um, if anyone is watching live, we've had some technical difficulties. Um, so um, we will have the audio version of this podcast. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like we'll be able to get the Hangout version to work. However, um, we are still um, pressing forward. So um, as I mentioned tonight, uh, Dr. Hilton joins us, and um, I'm going to start off um, asking her some questions about her career path. Um, again, she started out in small and clinical medicine, and um, so I'm kind of interested how you moved from practice to industry? Yeah, great question. So, um, I've always wanted to be a veterinarian um, ever since the age of six. So, it kind of instilled me at a very young age. Um, you know, I went to Tuskegee University, that's where I went to veterinary school, and I had only been exposed to formal practice. So, I really went down to Tuskegee with the idea that I wanted to be a practice owner. And, um, Well, 
Well, then their medicine is also a business. Um, you have to practice the medicine and also be an excellent business owner. And for me, that I realized that wasn't what I really wanted to do. And, you know, you accumulate this debt, and you're like, okay, what am I going to do now? So with me, I kind of had to reinvent myself. After two years of practice, being at one practice, I just decided to do some work, which I really loved. Um, was able to go to various clinics, interact with different technicians and doctors. And then I just, one day, just went online and saw a posting for a job um, with formerly Pfizer Animal Health with Pfizer and Technical Service Veterinarian. And just sat down to the application online and came into the interview. I mean, that's just all she wrote, wrote basically. Wow, so it was kind of serendipitous. <laughs> so I can tell you for sure that I didn't start out my primary goal was to be a clinical um, practitioner slash owner, but it just it wasn't in the cards for me. And I actually, I'm glad I did it though, because for this job, you really need to have a strong clinical background to be able to talk about, you know, cases and, and to help veterinarians when they call them with some of these really complicated bizarre cases that we deal with. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, have you always been doing this particular type of work um, at um, Zoetis? Yeah, so I've been with um, Zoetis, formerly Pfizer Animal Health, since 2003. So, it's been about 13 years this year. And um, came in as technical service veterinarian. And basically, what that means is that I am responsible for all of the small animal uh, products that we have. And our portfolio is enormous. It spans anti-infectives, vaccines, um, therapeutics. We just acquired a company that Santa has to do with diagnostics. We have an oncology of products. So it's basically running all the products and then also being able to, when veterinarians call, thinking that one of our products is not working or is causing a problem in a particular animal. I have to document that report, get that information to the FDA or USDA, um, depending on so if it's a pharmaceutical that goes to FDA, it's uh, a vaccine problem, USDA, or diagnostics. So then being able to have an informative conversation with the veterinarian, say yes, this is something that we expect, no, you know the animals are not want a whole bunch of different products, you have to deal with other things, it's a conversation that I have. Great. So... I see a, a viewer has joined us. Thanks for uh, joining us. Unfortunately, we're having a few technical problems, so bear with us. We have kind of um, our audio rigged up a little bit tonight, um, so just bear with us. Um, so one of the things that's not in your bio, Dr. Hilton, is the fact that you are um, one of um, Zoetis' liaisons to um, the student organization, VOICE, which VOICE is veterinary students, um, one in ethnicity and culture. Um, and um, and so this has been um, a really important student group that has um, played a, a role in the promotion of um, diversity in academic veterinary medicine. So could you tell us a little bit about um, the role that you play there and kind of your thoughts on diversity in the profession? Yeah. So I have been the voice liaison between voice and the editor for about and I'm primarily responsible for, um, you know, helping the, the chapters in the national organization get funding. 
to be able to provide, you know, different activities that they may have, bring in different speakers to talk about different diverse um, things that may be going on. That's what I've been doing. I think it's very important, and as an organization, we are extremely big on diversity and also on inclusiveness. Um, that's one thing that I'm very proud of with Joetta, that, you know, the, the leadership is extremely, extremely big on making sure that not only Great, great. So um, I know that there have been lots of questions because <laughs> I know that the voice chapters have just got their uh, their money, <laughs> um, and certainly there was some um, some rollback of of um, support. I don't mean that in terms of I guess um, um, Zoetis's overall support for for um, voice as an organization, but certainly there were some tough choices that had to be made about that. And right. and I'd love for you to take, you know, this opportunity to maybe kind of address that and, and maybe dispel some myths that are kind of floating around. Right. Yeah. So last year was really a tough year um, for our company. Um, we had about um, your thoughts and kind of your experiences at Tuskegee and um, how that kind of has shaped you. Um, and um, I know, uh, you know, I think that, that the experience of higher education shapes us all in general, um, but it certainly is the only um, HBCU and only minority serving institution with a veterinary school in the U.S. And so um, tell us a little bit about, you know, your experiences there and, and how that shaped your outlook on life in the profession.
just three branches of Rockford. So I went to Rockford, Kansas. And that was a good experience, but it was also for me a situation where it was a large classroom. I kind of got lost. I didn't really have good um, counselors. So I was an okay student. I wasn't a great student, but I was an okay student. So for me to now transition down south to Tuskegee, and um, I guess I also have to look at it that I was very fortunate because I didn't apply to a lot of veterinary schools. Um, so this is early 90s. I made one decision, and it was to go to Tuskegee. And that decision was really based on my mentor. So when I went through college, um, I was able to build up with a veterinarian in College Woodslash, Kansas, New Jersey. And this veterinarian, actually, how I met her was through my grandmother, because my grandmother used to clean her house. And she was like, look, I have a granddaughter who wants to be a veterinarian that's all she talks about, and she needs to talk to you. And her name is Dr. Carolyn Self. She took me under her wing. I would go in, you know, help out cleaning, and I graduated from being a kennel assistant to, you know, a regular assistant, helping her with the animals. And I was like, oh my God, this, where did you go to school at? This is where I want to go. So she told me, and ever since then, I was like, that's where I'm going. So I went down south. I had an, an excellent experience. It was a small class of section. So we started out with 50 students. We lost a few people. We graduated with 42. And I can tell you, I still go back every five years for um, a symposium that they have down in Tuskegee. And every time I see my classmates, we are elated and thrilled. And we just go back to the 90s. <laughs> so we have a really, really good time. And I'm still really close with my two study partners in veterinary school. They um, also did, I guess you could say, alternative uh, careers. They did go into private practice. So one actually is in research, and she works for Pfizer on the human side. Um, and then the other one started off with USDA, and now she's actually working for the government biosecurity. So she's, she's doing real well, too. Wow, great. So. Yeah. So um, tell us about kind of what um, you'd like to see um, the profession um, do to promote more diversity, and certainly not just in, along the lines of um, race, but certainly diversity very broadly. You know, I think that it's um, one of the also big hot topics in addition to race and, and ethnicity is, of course, gender. So we're seeing women starting to ascend to leadership positions. Um, but, um, so there's, um, you know, there's still work to be done there. We are seeing some improvement, but we also, this year, we haven't, um, released the, the data, um, just yet, but we are projecting that we will hit 80% women. Um, we've been just hovering around it for <laughs> probably a decade, um, but, um, but 80% women in the school. So, you know, um, as the national diversity director, I'm always kind of joking, but not really, that we're looking for more than a few good men. <laughs> so, um, so could you talk a little bit about, I guess, your, what you'd like to see um, happen in the profession related to diversity? Right. So, I guess... What I would like to see is just more opportunities. I mean, um, and, and not only for women, but for, you know, people of different sexual orientations, for people that have maybe disabilities. Um, I, I think we just need more opportunities and more awareness. So I, 
I would like even at some of the meetings that we go to to, to address this, and I know you spoke at ADMA and um, also this past year because I was there and I heard a little bit about that. But um, yeah, I, I think we've come a long way, but we still have a, a ways to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned that um, you the the connection piece to to Tuskegee was you knew someone who knew someone who knew someone. Um, do yeah. you think that if you'd had that, um, I guess, um, that linkage that someone knew someone and could kind of help you get some of those contact hours, do you think that you would have been able to successfully get some of those, um, those um, that experience prior to going to vet school? So um, the vet schools require students to get um, hours, veterinary experience, um, right. both with animals but also under the supervision of a, of a veterinarian. And this is something yeah. certainly that we're interested in, in studying more um, about and kind of what does it mean and, and is it valuable and those kinds of things. But one of the things that we question is whether or not it's very accessible to get that type of experience. So it sounded like in your in in kind of leading up to your arrival to Tuskegee that you kind of had a uh, an inside connection there. Um, had you really kind of explored getting um, how easy or difficult had it been before that to get um, experience? Right. So um, from my case with my grandmother knowing the veterinarian and then I'm able to connect with her to kind of compute, like you're saying, that, that connection and experience too. I mean, it was a plus, but I can tell you that there are some, because I also uh, talked to, it's a high school down in Philadelphia and they're really, it's really good. It's an agricultural-based high school. And I talked to the kids about trying to, you know, hook up with a veterinarian. Unfortunately, I'm not still in practice, but there's a lot of veterinarians down in Philadelphia and they say it's just really, really hard to make that connection. Um, you know, part is they, they're transportation. They don't have cars. They have to take public transportation, trying to get somebody to, you know, to take them there. It can be a challenge. So I, I think it, it can be a struggle. <laughs> For me, I think I was just really blessed and really lucky to have known someone. Um, I think it is good, but I think also if you're able to show the qualities to say that, you're determined that you have good grades, that you're a good studier. I think all that still holds some value when you're interviewing for veterinary school. Great, great. So we've got a few viewers, um, viewers who are watching live. Um, the group chat feature is open. So if you have questions for Dr. Hilton, um, I am moderating that group section there. Um, there should be some buttons on the left, and it should appear on the right, and you can um, and you can uh, post some questions, and I will relay them to her. So um, tell us. So uh, Dr. Hilton is back in school, and um, how long have you been back in school? Oh my goodness, I'm a sucker. <laughs> um, I actually started in 2010. Um, I enrolled in a master's program at Temple School of Pharmacy, and it's to get a master's in respiratory affairs, quality assurance. Just because that type of degree, you can have a lot of possibilities within the pharmaceutical industry. So, I started in 2010, took the first class, which is drug development, which basically takes you through the stages of how molecules discovered and then how it becomes, you know, 
the actual product, clinical trials, and then post-marketing. For one class, did excellent. I got an A, but I just really got overwhelmed with school, with, with work, and I was like, ah, I don't know if this is for me. So unfortunately, I did take a whole year off. But I can tell you in that one year off, I really collected my thoughts, collected my, really focused and said, you know what, this is the step that I want to go as far as regulatory affairs, and I really need to get back in it. So I've been going nonstop since 2011, and I, I'm so proud to say that this May I will graduate. So I'm taking my last class this semester. Congrats. Awesome. Wonderful. What would your advice be to other kind of um, mid, early, mid and career, mid career folks um, who, you know, may be exploring expanding opportunities for themselves and going back to school? Right. So I think education is great, especially if it's going to be in the area that you're going to be able to utilize and use whatever degree you get, which I, I, I plan on doing. Um, my thing is, it can be overwhelming, but don't get overwhelmed. I mean, you know, if you're in veterinary school now, you know how to study. You know what to expect. What I can say about this graduate course, though, is that I'm doing less memorization and more actual working through and application. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's more interactions on the classes diversified. So I can tell you that I've been the only veterinarian. But my classes have consist of medical doctors, nurses, pharmacists, um, people that have done master's degrees, people that are actually in industry, in regulatory affairs, um, clinical trials. Um, it, it's a gamut, and it's really, it's, it's really a good program. Very interactive, and I'm constantly learning. I like it a lot. <laughs> so if, if you want to pursue it and try to and something else that you're really, really passionate about, I think it'll work. All right. Yep. So, I um, haven't seen any questions in the group chat yet, so I still have some more questions. So, <laughs> so I'll keep this thing going for a while. So, um, tell me a little bit about, I guess, you know, what advice would you give to current veterinary students, um, you know, especially fourth years who... Um, or maybe third years who are about to go into um, their fourth year beginning yeah. in May and June, um, yeah. and as they're wrapping up this, um, you know, this academic experience, kind of what advice might you give those students, um, and, um, you know, what kinds of, of things should they be mindful of, um, what kinds of challenges with, you know, different rotations, especially for, um, for um, groups who are not, or, or from historically underrepresented um, populations in veterinary medicine? Yep, so I probably would say um, one thing that I did was I tried to spend my summers wisely at the time that I had all from veterinary school with a break. Um, it's always good to find a practice, you know, get in there, try to volunteer, get, definitely, definitely get a mentor. I think that's one of the big things. Um, but like I said, your summers are really, really important in your time off. Look for programs with the government. Look for things that you, if you're interested in research. And then the other thing is, if you can, sometimes there's different um, conferences during the summer. Try to go to one, even if it's for one day, to 
network and make some connections. I mean, that's really, really the big part of veterinary medicine is to kind of see what's out there and see what you're going to want to do after you come out of school. Because my thing was, I came out um, after my internship, this type of practice, and don't get me wrong, I love clinical practice. I love diagnosing and treating. Um, surgery was a really big down as a PTG to surgery in our third year, so I loved to do surgery. It was just that for me, I didn't, I didn't really want to do ownership, and I didn't want to continuously just work for somebody all the time. So I was like, okay, what else can I do? It's kind of like, you know, um, reinventing yourself almost. You have to sit, and that's the other thing. <laughs> I know that noun is not what that was 20 years ago when I came out. So do not get discouraged coming out with basically a mortgage. Because I had it, and I had it for 19 years. You have to tip it away, but you also have to do, you know, me time as well. You know, be able to have a little bit going to a savings. So if you want to do a little trip somewhere, you know, for a couple of days, just clear your mind and get yourself together. Because if you just keep working, working, and you can burn out that way. You can really, really burn out that way. Yeah. So several organizations, and I know many of the colleges have mentoring programs, and some are more successful than others. What should uh, students, as well as early career people, be looking for in, in a mentor? Yeah, so that's, a, that's an excellent question. Um, I, I, would look for, I would look for qualities where um, they have great leadership. Um, you know, if it's at a university, so with me, I could just go on my experience. Sure. Um, when I was down at UT, I actually hooked up with two mentors, and you're not going to believe this, two, two mentors. One was Christine Jenkins, who was also a Tuskegee alum, um, and now she's working here with the lettuce, but she's an internist, so she kind of took me under her wing, and I was, you know, talking to her because I liked doing the residency, but I knew research wasn't my thing, and I mean, I like doing my internship, but I knew research wasn't my thing for a residency. So kind of chatted with her, and she kind of gave me some good direction to go in. But then I also had another mentor while I was at UC, Sharon Campbell, who was also an internist, um, who kind of was, you know, keeping me straight and narrow, saying, okay, well, you got to get out there, you got to do something. And believe it or not, both of those individuals are now working for the letter. So I'm able to reach out to them. So, so, yeah. So, is this a follow your mentor? <laughs> follow your mentor, yeah. <laughs> or or you have your mentors follow you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't plan on it that way, but yeah. Great. I kind of left out. I had both of them. Great. So, um, as we begin to wrap up the show, um, what parting advice do you have? I guess for the veterinary profession, um you know, in terms of careers, diversity, what sage wisdom, Dr. Hilton, would you like <laughs> to yeah. bestow upon the profession, particularly uh, um, related to diversity and inclusion? Yeah, so I think, like I said, I think um, we've made some really good steps towards bringing diversity into veterinary medicine. I do feel as though it still has a ways to go. I, I would just encourage students that if there's something out there that looks interesting as far as an internship, externship, professorship, um, go for it. You know, <laughs> you, could, you could go for it. If they say no, that's fine. Then look for something else. 
Um, mentors are very good to have, you know, just to kind of give some, some more guidance, give some leadership. Um, but I, I just, for me, so when I talk to students when I go over to the school in Philadelphia, and they ask, you know, they ask me, well, what do you do? And they always think of a veterinarian as being working with dogs, with cats, small animals. And I'm like, yeah, I did that, but I'm not doing it anymore. And they're like, oh, my God, they're blown away. They're like, well, what do you do? Are you still a veterinarian? I'm like, yeah, I'm a veterinarian, but just in a different capacity. So I would like to see more veterinarians, um, you know, reach out into what I do now, technical services. Because right now, it's just that I'm aware of. It's just a few of us. Um, but, you know, government jobs, um, food, animal is really, really big. And how many... There's not a lot of diversity there. I think that's still an area that still really needs to be opened up and explored. So hopefully in the future with the younger generations coming up, that might be something that may interest us. Okay. Great. Well, thank you for um, joining us tonight. You're I'm welcome. sorry that we've had some uh, we had some technical uh, <laughs> difficulties with audio, but I think that it looks like we have solved them. Um, uh, this show will be available on a YouTube. An edited version um, of okay. the audio will be available in the next couple of days. Um, so uh, anyone who's interested in diversity and inclusion on air will be able to um, listen to that on YouTube or directly from the AAVMC website. Um, next month we will have we will feature doctors um, Colleen Cipriani from Purdue University as well as Dr. Kanita Rogers from Texas A&M talking about using data from climate studies um, and uh, as AAVMC prepares to launch the um, next iteration of our national climate study. So uh, please um, join us next month for that and the announcements are certainly on our Google Plus page. So um, with that, I think we'll wrap up. Thank you again, Dr. Hilton. Yes. Oh, I have one more thing. Yes. So um, I talked a little bit about diversity and inclusiveness within the SOAS, but I also kind of wanted to touch on, and I just realized that I didn't, is that um, about the scholarships that we have here at SOAS for the students that are in their second and third year. So I think that is an excellent thing, an excellent opportunity to make students aware that we understand that, you know, there are financial burdens um, coming out of the veterinary school. It's a $2,000 scholarship, what is it, I think right under 500 students. Mm -hmm. um, and they look at not only students that have academic excellence, but also diversity, sustainability, um, you know, people that may be interested in other occupations other than, you know, clinical practice. So food, animal, rural medicine, and things like that. Great. So, yeah. so there's money on the table, folks. Um, so. Exactly. exactly. We have a company I didn't have back in school. Please take advantage of it. So money is on the table, and certainly I think that you'll be, be able to visit the Zoetta site. Um, for more information about that, um, that is a, a, a program certainly that AAVMC provides um, some administrative support for. Um, so definitely check it out. Um, and so with that, we will see um, everyone next month for the diversity inclusion episode on air episode four. Thank you so much for joining us and have a great evening. Take care.